0: Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to.
1: Just fat in the diet. On a low-fat diet, our intestines produce aerobic bacteria, a good kind of bacteria. On the American diet, high in fat, our intestines produce anaerobic bacteria, a type of bacteria that releases deoxycholic acid, a proven carcinogen. And this is dangerous because the rate of colon cancer is very high in the American culture. We're going to talk about how the Delgado plan can help to prevent and treat cancer, diabetes, and arthritis. Can the foods that you eat cause cancer? Dr. Ernest Winder did a study on breast cancer, and he stated that one can plot the incidence of breast cancer against any number of environmental factors, and the one correlation that shows up well enough and may be of etiological significance is between breast cancer and fat intake in women in various countries in the world. And He discovered that there was no other factor that tied in closer to whether or not a woman would develop breast cancer as was the fat intake. Excess fat in the diet seems to increase certain hormones including prolactin which seems to stimulate the development of breast cancer. According to Dr. Winder, when you reduce your fat in the diet, within 30 days, following the Delgado Health type of diet, you can reduce your risk of breast cancer by over 90%. Fat in the diet not only causes obesity, but clearly, the more fat you use, it increases the risk of breast cancer in women. In Japanese women, which follow a low-fat diet of 40 grams of fat per day or less, obesity is rare, but also the rate of breast cancer is amongst the lowest in the world. In Italy where they use olive oil as a principal source of added fat to their diet they have nearly 80 grams of fat per day almost double the Japanese diet and the rate of obesity is common compared to the Japanese and they have three times the rate of breast cancer so olive oil is not all as safe as people think it is it increases the rate of obesity and it definitely increases the rate of breast cancer in the United States where we have the fattiest diet amongst the world with the average person consuming more than 111 grams of fat per day per person, obesity is epidemic and we have four times the rate of breast cancer in our women as compared to the Japanese culture. When we monitor people in Japan, they have less than 11 deaths per 100,000 of breast cancer. However, when they get to Hawaii and migrate to Connecticut, the same Japanese people, the same relatives, have nearly six times a greater rate of death from breast cancer. So from this we know that breast cancer is not genetic. However, many women have been volunteering to have surgery as preventative measure. And according to the Los Angeles Times, some are trying surgery as preventative and Sharon Hughes stated, I, I did not regret it at all. Can you imagine that if your mother had breast cancer and because you feared breast cancer, even though you don't have breast cancer, some women are actually going in and having surgery, mastectomy, removing their breasts so that they don't develop breast cancer. But that should not have to be what happens. If you follow a low-fat, carbohydrate diet, your incidence of breast cancer should be much lower. And indeed, even if you do develop breast cancer, some doctors are starting to put their patients on low-fat diets and their life seems to be extended and we're seeing some real good results. The intestines are also affected by excess fat in the diet. On a low-fat diet, our intestines produce aerobic bacteria, a good kind of bacteria. On the American diet, high in fat, our intestines produce anaerobic bacteria, a type of bacteria that releases deoxycholic acid, a proven carcinogen. And this is dangerous because the rate of colon cancer is very high in the American culture however it's believed if you follow a low fat diet and a high fiber diet the low fat will reduce the exposure of carcinogenic properties and the fiber will drag all that excess colon material out of the system and reduce the risk of colon cancer as well in studies of cultures throughout the world those that consume the most amount of meat like in new zealand the united states and canada they have the highest rates of colon cancer in countries like japan nigeria and Colombia where their meat consumption is amongst the lowest in the world, they have the lowest rate of colon cancer. Finland is a surprise because they do eat a high fat diet. However, because they eat so much fiber from from whole rye bread, they actually have less time for the intestines to be affected. The transient time is improved and their rate of colon cancer is much lower. So the key here then is low meat intake, low fat, high fiber. And you can do this simply by cutting way back on those foods that increase the risk of cancer. In Japan, when they monitored people in the 1950s and before, their diet was centered around rice and uh, around fresh vegetables. Uh, After the war, uh, the people in Japan started eating more milk, eggs, meat, and cheese, and some extra fruit. And the rice stayed about the same, and potatoes decreased slightly, and fresh fish stayed about the same but the rate of colon cancer increased due to the higher fat content of their diet so here's a culture who was free of of colon cancer and now has a much higher rate because of their change in diet we know that when you smoke foods and cook them especially charbroiling meat the fat drops down onto the hot surface and it pyrolyzes it changes chemically and it seeps back into the meat doctor Ames has measured the increased rate of benzopyrene a proven carcinogen to be equivalent in one pound of smoked mutton to be 250 cigarettes in carcinogenic property. One pound of barbecued steak equaled 182 cigarettes in carcinogenic property. So can you imagine you sit down to eating the steak and it's like smoking 180 cigarettes. If you eat a quarter pound of hamburger from a fast food chain, you're eating the equivalent of 50 cigarettes in carcinogenic property. And some of these large fast food chains I've seen Uh, providing funds for every time you buy a hamburger, they contribute some of their money towards the research for why children are developing more and more cancer. I think the evidence is clear that the foods that they're buying, these hamburgers, are causing the increased rate of cancer. They don't have to look any further. The evidence is, is coming in quite quickly. There's also studies that show that aflatoxin is a powerful carcinogen. It's excreted by Aspergillus flavus, which is a fungus and it tends to grow primarily on peanuts. Peanuts, because they grow underground, have a moist shell, and they tend to absorb and develop this fungus more readily. So peanuts have a much higher rate of aflatoxin, and in Mozambique, where they eat principally peanuts, they have the highest rate of liver cancer in the world. Now, Consumer Reports analyzed 14 different brands of peanut butter, and they were shocked to find that every one of the brands had some amounts of aflatoxin. Since it's dose-related, That doesn't mean that everyone will develop liver cancer, but the more peanut butter you eat, the more likely your risk is there. It's probably better to eat other nuts and seeds, like cashews, almonds, ones that grow above ground. Peanuts are the only ones that grow underground. Actually, peanuts are a legume. They're really not classified as a nut or a seed. So uh, remember, the fat content of all nuts and seeds are high, nearly 75% fat, so eat them in moderation in small quantities. Don't overdo them. When we look at cultures throughout the world in comparison to Japan and the migration of the United States. Stomach cancer is much higher in Japan than it is in the United States in those people who migrate to the United States. Well, in Japanese people, they consume uh, meats that are preserved in sodium nitrates, which turn into nitrosamines, a proven carcinogen. It's been shown that uh, foods high in vitamin C seem to prevent that conversion into nitrosamines. However, it would be best just not to eat those uh, smoked uh preserved fish and meat because the nitrosamines are dangerous. Colon cancer, on the other hand, is much lower in Japan, but higher in the United States, nearly four times higher. Of course, the Japanese each mu- eat much less fat. In the U.S., we eat a lot more fat. Pancreatic cancer is nearly two and a fourth times higher in the U.S. than it is in Japan. Lung cancer is three times higher in the United States, even though the Japanese actually smoke cigarettes more than in the U.S., we find that the high cholesterol diet seems to contribute to lung cancer. More on that later. Leukemia is uh, much higher in the United States and I believe probably because the, not only the higher fat content, but possibly because the milk consumption. Evidence seems to show that 20% of all dairy cows are infected with leukemia virus and that may increase the risk of, of the leukemia uh, condition. In Japan, they hardly ever drink milk, of course, so their risk of, colon, of uh, leukemia, that is, is much lower. Lung cancer uh, takes nearly 70,000 lives every year, and we all know that cigarette smoking may be the key trigger to develop lung cancer. However, whether or not you die from lung cancer may be dependent on what your cholesterol level is. In studies done in those people with a cholesterol level under 150, even if they were cigarette smokers, they did not necessarily develop lung cancer. However, if their cholesterol level was 225 at that range, they had a level of 700 deaths per 100,000 lung cancer, a dramatic increase. If their cholesterol was 225 to 254, they had almost 1,700 deaths per 100,000 from lung cancer. If the cholesterol was over 275, they had 3,700 deaths per 100,000. So there's evidence to show that the higher your cholesterol level, the more likely you're going to die from lung cancer, especially if you're a cigarette smoker. Some people don't even smoke cigarettes and they can't understand why they develop lung cancer. However, there's an interesting connection to uh, the cholesterol level and your immune system. You see, the lymphocytes, which are white blood cells, part of the immune system, can actually attack cancer cells, as shown here, and they can dissolve and deteriorate and destroy cancer cells and clear them from your body. It's up to your immune system to protect you, because sometimes during a person's lifetime, you may develop cancer and not even know it, and your own immune system saves your life. However, evidence seems to show if you have a high cholesterol level, it seems to inhibit the immune system and suppress it. Your white blood cells almost become paralyzed. I've seen them become inactivated in people with high cholesterol levels, and that means your chance of cancer spreading is much higher and at much greater risk. There was studies done in which the tumor size was dependent on the cholesterol intake. Those animals given a low cholesterol diet... Uh, Even if they were given uh, carcinogenic properties that cause tumors, they had the smallest tumors of all. However, when there was a 1% increase in the cholesterol in their diet, the tumor rate increased in size. If they had a 2 or 3% uh, cholesterol in the diet, the tumors got the biggest of all. Something about cholesterol seems to cause cancer to develop faster. Cancer cells are amongst the only cells that cannot produce their own cholesterol. Actually, every cell of your body can produce cholesterol. But because cancer cells, for some reason, do not seem to be able to produce their own cholesterol, they have to feed off cholesterol from your diet. So what you need to do is keep your cholesterol in your diet down to absolute zero. That way, the tumors don't have a chance to grow and feed off it and get so big. There's also other evidence that shows that if there's cholesterol plaques in the arteries, downstream of those arteries, low blood oxygen levels may cause Uh, changes in the cells, mutations which can trigger uh, cancer. We know that in a Canadian study three individuals who had prostate cancer and in each of these cases they had needle biopsy which proved they had prostate cancer. All three of the men were put on a low cholesterol approach and they had cholesterol controlling medications. In this case after three years Even though the individual at age 72 had a rock-like prostate, it had softened and the cancer had completely disappeared after three years on this zero-cholesterol approach. The second case was after three years, the prostate returned uh, to normal in a 65-year-old. And in a 72-year-old, after only one month, the prostate appeared to be normal by following the reduction in cholesterol intake. Dr. Anthony Salarello had a very interesting and remarkable case here's a doctor who had cancer throughout his body and what did he do? He searched for a therapy to save his life and the remarkable results were that the physician Heal Thyself reported in Life magazine in the first example on bone scans it showed he had cancer in the brain, he had it in the shoulder, in the ribs, in the sternum and the prostate it was throughout his body and he was told he would not live very long they had tried chemotherapy, they had had tried surgery and there was nothing left to help him. Well, he met a group of individuals who understood nutritional therapy. He decided to try it. He had nothing to lose, everything to gain. He started cutting out all the fats out of his diet. He started eating more rice, more vegetables. He cut out all the animal products, no more meat and, and chicken and fish. Within a period of 14 months, if we look at the bone scan, we can see that the cancer in his body completely disappeared. The cancer is where these black spots are, and the black dark spots on the bone scan you can see in the shoulder had disappeared, in the brain that had disappeared in the ribs and in the prostate, it all returned to normal after only 14 months of following the diet that was centered around rice and vegetables. It's interesting that he went back to eating some chicken and fish and the cancer started to reappear. He got off the chicken and fish and the cancer went away. Well, here's a medical doctor, president of Methodist Hospital in Philadelphia, who lived more than 10 years past his diagnosis with cancer, when many thought he'd only live another few months. You can extend your life. I believe you can. There's books written about it, including research journals showing that diet may be one of the greatest breakthroughs of this century to help people to prevent and maybe even reverse cancer. Exercise may be another great way to reduce the risk of cancer in marathon runners it's been discovered they have one-seventh the death rate from cancer seven times less than the general population and I think it's because that extra exercise helps to build up a lot of oxygen in the body and that may reduce the risk of cancer furthermore exercise lowers fats in the bloodstream although it does not lower cholesterol it does lower blood fats which may also reduce the risk of of course breast cancer and colon cancer so exercise is very important to the therapy in those who want to prevent cancer. If you do develop cancer, I'm sure you can't go out and just run because you may be too weakened, but a good walking program, gentle program, may also help to stimulate the immune system and reduce that risk factor of disease. In one study done by Dr. Goldblatt and Dr. Warburg, they took cells from a cardiac cell of, of a heart and they divided it into two different test tubes and they uh, added extra cells. They then put oxygen in one of the cell uh, test tubes and after a period of one year, they found that there was no malignant cells in the test tube and after two years, with the oxygen present in the test tube, no cancer developed and they injected the cells into animals and the animals were perfectly fine. However, in the test tube that the oxygen was depleted, malignant cells appeared within one year when there's not enough oxygen some of the cells died but those that survived mutated and altered and turned to cancer they injected those cells into animals and those animals died from cancer so something has to happen in the body where low oxygen levels may increase the risk of cancer your lymphatic system is the principal part of the immune system and it has its own separate system that protects you And these white blood cells, which makes up the lymph nodes, thoracic duct, the subclavian vein, and nodes, these are the transport system of the white blood cells in the immune system. If it weren't for your immune system, someone would sneeze across the room and you'd probably die from a cold. Your immune system is absolutely essential to protecting you. Sometimes the immune system gets suppressed. And when that happens, we've heard of cases like AIDS, a very serious disease. Now, it's interesting that... In the early stages, there were many cases of reported AIDS death. However, when it reached a peak in 1985 of over 7,000 fatalities, by 1987, the death rate from AIDS had decreased in a year's time to 1,700. We're seeing different statistics. However, I think with infectious diseases, much like happened with measles, your body's immune system has a chance to build up and to protect itself. Now, I don't know that everyone is protected from AIDS. It sounds to be a very serious disease, and more research is going on all the time. What I do know is your immune system is the chief uh, area to maintain in a healthful manner. Now, too much exercise can suppress the immune system. And don't overdo it. Don't go out and exercise beyond your capability. Start off with a good, gentle, regular exercise program. Immediately get cholesterol in your diet and lower the fat intake. Get enough sleep and maintain a positive mental attitude. Don't get despondent and upset and isolated. Be with people, enjoy yourself, have fun. Your immune system surprisingly seems to be improved through positive emotions. Endorphins and other interesting hormones seem to improve the body's fighting mechanism. Studies have been done with Dr. Norman Cousins and he's reported laughter therapy seems to help in building up the immune system. But whatever your condition is, It can only be improved through the Delgado Health type of plan. We feel it will help to change your life. Other evidence is starting to show that foods high in vitamin A may help to prevent cancer. One study showed that those with low vitamin A levels had a higher rate of cancer in the medical journal Lancet. However, those with a higher level of vitamin A, from eating more carrots and uh, pumpkin and other foods, that like cantaloupe and apricots that had a lot of vitamin A, they had the lowest rate of cancer overall. At Delgado Medical, we're doing research and working with people in building up the immune system. There's a special type of test that we do at our clinic called the HLB Dry Blood Analysis Test. HLB stands for Heaton Lagarde and Bradford. Heaton and Lagarde were two physicians who were the personal physicians of President Eisenhower and Dr. Bradford Uh, trained me. He had studied with Heaton and Lagarde. And what we discovered was that when blood dries on a microscope under a screen and we magnify it, we can see the health of the blood. It's interesting that in a 75-year-old, normal blood looks like this, and even a 10-year-old normal blood would look like this. The black lines represent fibrin, the clotting mechanism of blood, and the red are thousands and thousands of red blood cells all clotted and clumped together and this is normal when blood dries this is how it should look however when people have disease conditions there's free radical damage and we start to see these big holes developing in the bloodstream and these big holes represent low oxygen levels it's interesting that low oxygen levels seem to be associated with cancer this is a patient who had leukemia had undergone chemotherapy and radiation treatments all of which did not seem to improve the immune system, probably even suppress the immune system. That patient died within six hours after having that test. So the blood is the mirror to your health. We know that stage four of breakdown of the blood, stage four of cancer is a very serious condition. We see, again, these big holes in the blood and there's very poor connection of the fibrin material. These are what we call rot masses, reactive oxygen toxic species which may be from free radical damage and low oxygen levels. Not enough exercise and a high fat diet. These little spots in the blood show uh, what we call sialic acid beads, which are showing even more destruction associated with the development of cancer. Now, we cannot predict whether or not a person has cancer simply from this test. It's a screening device. But let's face it, if your blood is looking damaged and broken down, then we know we need to change something in your lifestyle. I find that people who exercise a lot, in our research, have the best looking blood. Very healthy, held together, really good. And those who also follow a low-fat diet, their blood looks great. Those who have poor looking blood and the blood's all broken down on the dry analysis, when they start exercising, eating good, we see quite quick improvements in their bloodstream and in the circulation. To prevent cancer, start by reducing fat in your diet to under 20% fat and ideally less than 10% fat studies coming out of china shows that those areas where the chinese eat more fat they have a much higher rate of cancer of all types Those chinese who eat a lower fat diet have the lowest rate of cancer overall the second point to remember is reduce your cholesterol consumption to 100 milligrams of cholesterol per day or less even down to zero would be better the body only gets rid of 100 milligrams of cholesterol a day don't take in more than that remember the body the needs to function and and it gets all the cholesterol it needs but if you're getting cholesterol from your diet it may increase the risk of different types of cancers reduce smoked or salt cured foods cut back on ham, bacon, sausage, hot dogs avoid them if you can, I would prefer you avoid them stop smoking, you must reduce your risk of lung cancer also bladder cancers associated with cigarette smoking reduce alcohol consumption, it's been shown that esophagus cancer is increased in those who drink alcohol frequently, avoid pollutants, asbestos, and additives. Asbestos in those who work with asbestos—it seems to cause a certain kinds of uh, type of lung cancer called mesothelioma. It's only found in asbestos workers. So reduce your exposure to these harmful additives. Reduce the consumption of peanuts and peanut butter. Peanuts have a much higher rate of aflatoxin exposure and it's dose related. It only takes three parts per million to cause an increased risk of liver damage. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Beta-carotene foods rich in vitamin A and I want to point out that foods high in vitamin A from the animal source like liver are not necessarily good for you or even supplements high in vitamin A. I think it's safer to stay with beta-carotene which is the vegetable source of vitamin A. Your body will convert what it needs into the needed vitamin A. You can never overdose on beta carotene. It's safe for you. Eat foods rich in vitamin C and rich in whole grains and beans and peas. These are the foods that are rich in fiber, low in fat and high in complex carbohydrates. You'll be able to prevent and reduce your risk of cancer and live a longer healthier life. Remember Cancer is on increase in our country now. We must do something to prevent it. We've got to change the course of this disease. Even though over the last several years we've had advances in surgical procedures and we've been using experimental drugs, we've used chemotherapy and radiation, it just hasn't been working. Some people are told that so long as they have mammograms and they're screened for breast cancer, that's prevention that's not prevention that's just early detection it's not early enough though because evidence shows that by the point a mammogram can detect breast cancer it may have been in the woman for nearly ten years because after about the tenth year the tumor is about the size of a pea and that's about the point where a mammogram can detect breast cancer by that point it's already spread to other parts of the body most likely so to go and have mastectomy or surgery or lumpectomy that may not prevent the cancer from continuing. Because most women who die from breast cancer, they don't die from the breast cancer, they die from cancer showing up in other parts of the body, in the brain or target organs of the body. So, the key to really build up the immune system and prevent all types of cancers seems to be our Delgado Health type of plan. Isn't it wonderful? Here we found that our plan can reduce heart disease, high blood pressure and other diseases, and now we're telling you here is one of the greatest ways to reduce the risk of cancer. Now I'd like to talk about another disease condition. Diabetes is a disease that is associated with many complications. In those people who have diabetes it's the number one cause of blindness in our country. Diabetes increases the risk of stroke. 75 percent of all those who develop strokes have a related condition diabetes. Gangrene, 80 percent of all amputated limbs came from diabetics. Heart attacks, 50% of those with heart attacks have been increased in risk due to diabetes. There are two principal types of diabetes conditions. One is the type 1 insulin dependent, formerly referred to as juvenile diabetes. It's characterized by a sudden weight loss, 10 to 30 pounds, within a month, without even dieting. Ketones show up in the urine. There seems to be pancreas damage, probably due to some viral disease. Kidney disorders, blindness, these are the results of this type of diabetes. However, a low-fat diet and exercise reduces the amount of insulin needed. The body only needs about 30 units of insulin a day, and many diabetics are taking more than that. And it could be that their diet is not as good as it should be, nor is their exercise. Fortunately, a very small percentage, under 10% of those with diabetes, have this type 1, this insulin-dependent diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, which makes up more than 90% of all the diabetics, is actually the easiest to control. It's usually caused by a fatty diet. Fat desensitizes the insulin, and the insulin becomes ineffective. In this type of diabetes, we can control it through dietary changes. In most cases, this type of diabetes shows up because a person has a high blood glucose level. And the risk of heart attack, stroke, and gangrene is very high with this type of diabetes. However, we can reduce that risk quickly. A good example is the Pima Indians in Arizona, where their diet back in the 1920s was primarily plant foods, fruits, and beans. However, after 1945, when they were inducted into the war and they began eating war rations, And on the reservations, they got the surplus cheese, butter, meat, peanut butter, and sugar. Fifty percent of all Pima Indians have developed diabetes. They also have a very high rate of arthritis and cancer. Whereas before, they did not even have these diseases. What we've learned is that the diet itself was the chief culprit. If we reduce the fat in the diet and eat complex carbohydrates, we may not only prevent diabetes, we probably can reverse it. The basic fact of diabetes is that the insulin, which is a protein-type hormone, it pushes glucose into the cells, and glucose is used as the chief source of energy of the body. With diabetes, something happens to the insulin to desensitize it and render it unable to push sufficient glucose into the cells. Therefore, you develop a high glucose level. Many people had thought that the diabetic condition was caused by a loss of the ability to control the insulin, in other words, not enough insulin production. In the medical dictionary, Dorland's, they refer to diabetes as caused from a deficiency of insulin and due to faulty pancreatic activity. However, when Burson and Yao did their famous research and received the Nobel Prize, they discovered that mild diabetics actually produced more insulin than a normal person, and even severe diabetics produced almost as much insulin as the normal person. So if a diabetic actually, in most cases, produces enough insulin, and we're speaking about the type 2 non-dependent insulin diabetic, then it must be something else and the university group diabetic project was done on over 1,000 diabetics, 12 hospitals, 50 scientists covering eight and a half years. They wanted to find out what was the best treatment for diabetes. They took the American Diabetic Association diet, which at the time was higher in fat, 35% fat and nearly 20% protein. They used the American Diabetic Association diet with uh, different medications, oranase, insulin, and fenformin, and they wanted to see what was the best treatment. They were shocked to find though that those using the orinase, the pill for diabetic control, caused 250 percent more cardiovascular deaths than diet alone. Fenformin also caused 250 percent more cardiovascular deaths than diet alone and fenformin was actually banned because of the death rate. Insulin at fixed and variable dosages was no better than diet alone. And the American Diabetic Association diet of the time still had a higher cardiovascular death rate than those prevailing in the general population. So that left the medical community quite concerned because they had no way to help diabetics. Here the oral medications were increasing the death rate, the insulin was no better than diet alone, and the diet they were using was not not effective even worse than the typical diet. Because see, at that time, the diabetic diet was to reduce carbohydrates, which cause them to automatically eat more fat. Now there's the secret. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. Fat desensitizes the insulin. Remember that. Now there are actually non-dietetic factors that may raise serum-free fatty acids in the bloodstream. For example, starvation. If you go longer than calories because your body thinks that you're not going to be able to get out and get your own food. And this is uh, going to cause a temporary diabetic condition. So if you've had a fever recently and you have your blood glucose checked, it could be elevated. Liver damage is also a serious cause of diabetes. And so these are non-dietetic factors that affect the risk of diabetes. A low-fat diet experiment was done on over 100 diabetic patients. Dr. Rubinowitz took 50 people and he put them on over a 56% fat diet and he put another group on less than 20 percent fat in their diet. He discovered that those people on the high fat diet got off insulin in only 8 percent of the cases. There was only a 1 percent change in their average insulin dosage. However, on the low fat diet, 24 percent of the people were off of insulin within five years and there was a 56 percent reduction in the overall need for insulin dosage. Furthermore, those on the high fat diet maintain an average cholesterol level of over 229 whereas those on the low-fat diet reduced their cholesterol level down to under 184. Dr. Rubinowitz theorized that that was probably the reason why diabetics on a low-fat diet had a much lower rate of heart disease and stroke and gangrene and I think he was correct about that. That was way back in 1935 however physicians just forgot all about that important research. It was buried in the medical literature when Dr. Rubinowitz retired no one else brought it up. So we continued to have a diet that was ineffective until later when Nathan Pritikin introduced a low-fat diet to Dr. James Anderson. Dr. Anderson was a world-famous endocrinologist and he was experimenting with different types of diets. He went ahead and gave a group of people a 5% fat diet with one pound of sugar a day to see whether or not sugar would cause diabetes. He then measured their blood glucose level and over an eleven week period not one of the people tested diabetic that shocked everyone because everyone thought sugar would cause diabetes can you imagine eating one pound of white sugar every day that's a tremendous amount and yet it did not cause them to test diabetes when the same uh, group of people were given a 43 percent fat diet so long as they had complex carbohydrates in the diet 40 percent their glucose level although it was higher it still did not test diabetic it was in the group that ate 45 percent fat diet with 55 percent sugar the blood glucose went into the diabetic range and what they discovered was the higher the fat the diet within two weeks the more likely they would test diabetic so complex carbohydrates seem to be protective against diabetes however simple carbohydrates may not cause diabetes in other words sugar is not the chief cause of diabetes However, if you're eating a high-fat diet, it's fat from avocados, margarine, vegetable oil, corn oil, olive oil, from meat, all those fats may desensitize your insulin and that could be the cause of most cases of type 2 diabetes. Dr. Anderson did a further experiment because some diabetics have been told just to lose weight and they would control their diabetes so he took twenty lean diabetic men they already had a good weight and he put them in a two week period on a high complex carbohydrate seventy percent carbohydrate diet nineteen percent protein eleven percent fat it included shredded wheat, grape nuts, crackers, whole wheat, rye, beans and raw fruit within two weeks they had a fifty eight percent reduction in their insulin requirements and a thirty percent drop in their cholesterol level doctor james anderson had again found and reported in medical journals that our high complex carbohydrate low fat Delgado type of diet was the best way to control diabetes. Medical reports are coming out very rapidly now showing also that beans and peas help to further control diabetes because beans and peas are low in fat they're also high in soluble fiber and apparently soluble fiber helps to control diabetes. Other studies are showing that diet may be the safest, most effective treatment instead of using drugs like insulin and oral medications. If we go back to the history of diabetic control in England in 1798, Dr. John Rollo, the the then Surgeon General, theorized that because diabetics lost sugar out of the urine, they could not tolerate carbohydrates. So he said, let's take all the carbohydrates out of their diet and give them a high fat diet." He had to meet rancid fat, pork, and old meat, and blood and intestines, as rancid as they could bear. And sure enough, these diabetics actually got worse. He thought they'd get better, but he thought they were getting worse because of their serious diabetic condition. Well, that set the stage because later, in France, they thought that a diabetic uh, was losing glucose out of the urine because they could not tolerate it, and they were losing it. So we better put back the glucose. So they had to meet a quarter pound of candy along with meat every day. Now I don't think the candy per se, so long as it was just high in sugar and not high in fat, worse than their diabetes per se, the meat certainly was no better for them. Uh, But they were still experimenting. However, way back in Egypt, in 1550 BC, they knew, and it's written up in the hieroglyphics, that when the Egyptian royalty would develop diabetes, from eating imported oils and fats and meats they would go ahead and put them on the culture at large what the slaves were eating which was the grains the breads and the berries and sure enough the diabetes would be cured in a matter of months. In Rome when the Roman generals were conquering nations and they would develop diabetes from eating foods from other countries that were high in fat and when they were using a lot of olive oil When they switched over to eating more fruit and vegetables and cereals and got away from the oils and meats, their diabetes went away. Unfortunately, in the American culture, doctors thought that because diabetics had a problem with blood sugar, that we should avoid carbohydrates. And this misinformation probably got started with Dr. Fredrickson, who took a group of people and gave them high-carbohydrate diets and it caused their level of blood glucose to be affected now he did not separate simple from complex carbohydrates he allowed them to eat sugar and complex carbohydrates and of course we know sugar will elevate blood triglycerides had he known that complex carbohydrates actually lower triglycerides i don't think he would have been afraid to recommend a high carbohydrate diet for diabetics but at that time the american diabetic association decided to go to a low carbohydrate higher fat diet and that set the stage for people not getting better well fortunately after all the studies coming out uh... by doctor anderson published and uh, other researchers that dietary therapy high in carbohydrate low in fat was going to control diabetes that influenced the american diabetic association and now they're recommending less than twenty percent fat and more than sixty percent carbohydrate complex carbohydrates I believe, though, you should have at least 80% complex carbohydrates and less than 10% fat for those with diabetes, because that will get even better results. Dr. Kelly M. West, world-renowned endocrinologist, stated before the Senate hearings back in 1976 that 62% of all adult onset diabetics could be off of insulin and other drugs back to normal using our type of low-fat diet, including rice and fruit, beans and peas, and, and complex carbohydrates overall. So the Delgado Health Plan can be the greatest way to prevent or reverse diabetes. In summary, diabetes prevention then should include eating more complex carbohydrates, grains, starches. Don't be afraid of starches. People with diabetes think that starches are fattening or that they'll worsen their blood sugar. Remember, starches are complex carbohydrates and they break down slowly into the body. So eat more potatoes, eat more artichokes, eat more beans and vegetables and fruit. And remember you must reduce fats and oils and cheese and fatty meats because that is going to cause your insulin to work improperly and you may develop diabetes. Aerobic exercise is essential because at least 12 to 30 minutes a day will help to reduce the fat levels in your bloodstream. It also improves your insulin response. If you want to exercise more that will be fine but make it long slow distances. Don't make it short and fast anaerobic, make it long slow distance. 30 minutes or even an hour or two of walking each day will help with diabetes prevention. Visit your doctor to monitor insulin changes because our diet and exercise can quickly lower your insulin requirements and you may endanger yourself and develop hypoglycemia from too much insulin and not needing as much insulin as you did before. We've had patients come to our clinic needing 40 and 50 units of insulin a day and I remember by following our diet that they were able to get off of insulin completely in a majority of the cases. Now, hypoglycemia itself is a condition that some people suffer from and what happens is if they eat too much sugar, the sugar enters the bloodstream and it forces the insulin to be triggered from the pancreas at high levels. Well, the insulin pushes the glucose into the cells to be used but there's excess insulin produced and that pushes extra glucose into the cells and then you develop a low blood sugar condition. The solution for many people used to be to put them on a high protein diet because they thought if carbohydrates caused the insulin to go up we better not let them have carbohydrates but you see that was simple carbohydrates Hypoglycemics should avoid simple carbohydrates but they must eat complex carbohydrates the breads rice and cereals actually will give you insulin at a slow rate you see simple sugars rush in the bloodstream at sixteen calories per minute whereas if you eat potato starch and bread when you eat it it breaks down slowly and the complex carbohydrates which are bound together glucose molecules a thousand glucose molecules all bound together they break down slowly and enter your bloodstream at two calories per minute that's exactly what your body needs so you'll be able to eat frequent meals of complex carbohydrates whenever you get a little weak, hungry or empty go ahead and eat nibble on your grapes have your bread have your fresh pastas. eat these foods and you'll control your blood sugar so you won't have low blood sugar You won't need added protein because added protein is not good. All that extra protein could cause elevated cholesterol and other types of conditions and serious disease, also osteoporosis. What I want you to do then is follow a low-fat, high-complex carbohydrate diet to control both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia, which is diabetes. On the Delgado Health Plan, Michael Godfrey, one of our patients, wrote to us, My cholesterol went from 274 down to 178, and my insulin requirement decreased by 10 units in less than two weeks. Now that's exciting because Michael Godfrey had been diagnosed with the type 1 diabetic condition, the serious type, the one that requires insulin uh, usage he also was losing his eyesight. However, at UC Irvine, they found that his eyesight had improved following the Delgado Health Plan. He was considered clinically blind, but he restored some of his eyesight. So we're thinking that even the type 1 diabetic may be able to be saved, or at least prevent the loss of sight and the kidney damage and the gangrene and other associated diseases. So give it a try. Work with your doctor and follow the Delgado Health Plan. If you don't have a doctor who understands this plan, make an appointment at Delgado Medical in Huntington Beach and we'll work with you and help you towards your goals of good health. Now we're going to talk about arthritis. A very serious disease that affects one quarter of the U.S. population, nearly 50 million Americans. It accounts for 15 percent in Social Security disability payments, losing our country over one billion dollars per year. With arthritis, experiments have shown that those people with normal joints have much higher levels of oxygen in their joints whereas arthritics have much less oxygen in their joints. It's interesting that something to do with oxygen affects arthritis and we've discovered what it is. The little red blood cells when they enter the capillary beds are designed to squeeze through only one by one. However, if fat coats these little red blood cells when the blood cells touch each other they stick together when the blood pumps the red blood cells cannot get through the small capillaries. they clump or they block up this causes fluids to get into the surrounding tissues causing a water log type effect known as edema that fluid retention seems to be the principal cause of many of the rheumatoid arthritic conditions we know that physical trauma can cause edema If you get bumped on the head, you'll form a bubble, a little hard nodule and it is filled with fluid. Of course, we know that people with housemaid's knees, women who kneel on their knees during their work or men who use high pressure jackhammers that hit their hands constantly, that could cause arthritis because the damage or trauma to those joints will cause edema or fluid to build up, and that extra fluid may cause arthritis to set in. Women, because of their menstrual cycles, develop more edema or fluid retention. This is why women have 200% higher rate of arthritis than do men. Rheumatoid arthritis may develop then from low oxygen levels in the joint and this is caused from a high fat diet when you have low oxygen levels the theory is that the white blood cells that normally protect you because there's not enough oxygen for the white blood cells in the joint area the white blood cells self-destruct they release powerful digestive juices when they burst and explode letting these digestive juices eat away at the joints this extra digestive enzyme dissolves away the joints and that causes the arthritic pain and the arthritic degeneration. The white blood cells contain very powerful digestive juices known as the lysosomes and these digestive juices are normally designed to protect you from invaders bacteria, and viruses and cancer. However, if your body maintains low oxygen levels because of a, low, a high fat diet and not enough exercise then these white blood cells actually turn on you and become an enemy at UCLA they decided to take arthritis and inject a tube into the lymphatic duct, thoracic duct and they were able to remove thousands and thousands millions of white blood cells they discovered that the arthritic pains went away however you can't live without your white blood cells that's not the best solution another experiment showed that when people with arthritis were put in hyperbole chambers where it forced oxygen into their body, their arthritic pain started going away. But you can't live your whole life in a hyperbole chamber. Why not increase the oxygen inside your body? How? It's obvious. Reduce your fat in the diet to under 40 grams of fat and ideally down to 20 grams of fat per day. And make sure that you eat very high complex carbohydrates, avoid sugar, and you'll get all the nutrients you need. That will help your joints. Now, some people with arthritis develop arthritis because of allergic reactions. Some people are so allergic to milk, for example, that even small quantities added to their cereal in the morning, the milk causes an antibody reaction and somehow it causes destruction of the joints. In one example, a lady was taken off all of milk and dairy products. She had severe arthritis, but when she went completely free of dairy products for several months, the arthritic pain went away and the arthritis symptoms disappeared. The swelling and inflammation cleared up. They then added milk and dairy product, yogurt and cheese, back to her diet. And after only a few days, The arthritic symptoms return quickly. So we know that some people must avoid dairy products to avoid the arthritic condition. I always tell people it's best to try your foods without dairy product for about three months and see how you do. And if you improve dramatically and you go back and you drink a big glass of milk and symptoms come back, you have arthritic pains or you have digestive disorders, you're probably allergic to the milk and you should never use it. Actually, we're not intended to drink milk throughout our lifetime. We should be breastfed by our mothers on human milk for the first year or two. And after that, we should be weaned, not be drinking cow's milk all the time, as the dairy industry seems to indicate you must have milk for strong, healthy bodies. I don't believe that. Another type of arthritis is known as osteoarthritis. And here we find that the lysosome juices from the white blood cells enter into the joint area where the cartilage is and it digests the cartilage this causes the cartilage cells to ostify or alter and start making bone type collagen material so it's like bone rubbing on bone in the joints which is very painful fortunately here again by reducing fat in the diet and following the Delgado Health Plan exercise we can prevent osteoarthritis from developing if it does develop, at least you can reduce some of the pain, the stiffness in the joints and prevent the arthritis from getting any worse. And finally, gouty arthritis can develop when you have high serum uric acid levels. Uric acid which comes from eating too much protein foods will be a waste product and it crystallizes in the bloodstream if you have high uric acid levels. These sharp little crystals then build up in the joint area. And these sharp crystals should not be in the body. So the white blood cells attack these crystals and engulf the hard uric acid crystals. Unfortunately, the white blood cells have never encountered anything so sharp or as dense as uric acid crystals. So the uric acid crystals puncture holes in the white blood cells. And then the white blood cells actually release their powerful digestive juices on the joints. The first joint to be affected is usually the toe joint. And when your uric acid level gets above seven or higher, in many cases people develop gouty arthritic attacks. In some cases, Bure's yeast has been known to cause a gout attack. However, back in the Middle Ages, they used to eat a lot of meat. In fact, they had meat at almost every meal, almost six times a day. And there was paintings of people in the Middle Ages showing bandages all over their feet and toes because they had gouty arthritis from eating all these high protein foods. So remember high protein foods may be one of the principal causes of gouty arthritis and you must reduce your protein intake, eat more complex carbohydrates and that can prevent and reduce your acid level, prevent gouty arthritis. Now some people have resorted to drugs to control arthritis. Anti-inflammatory drugs including cortisone and aspirin help to improve the symptoms but they're not getting to the cause of the problem deterioration seems to continue with some bad side effects from long-term use of cortisone and aspirin. Now we know that the cortisone and aspirin and even gold salts what they do is they suppress the white blood cell activity. So by suppressing the white blood cell activity it reduces the available white blood cells that can cause arthritic symptoms. But I don't think that's a very good solution. I think you're better off of cutting off of these medications with your doctor's guidance and getting on the Delgado Health Plan so you don't have to resort to drugs to suppress your white blood cell immune system. Then you're going to see some dramatic changes in your health and in your fitness levels. Arthritis prevention then can be accomplished in summary by improving your circulation to reduce edema. Start by reducing fats, oils, cheese, fatty meats, to improve your circulation. Reduce salt, because salt will cause extra fluid retention, which aggravates the edema and worsens the arthritis. Exercise aerobically at least four times per week or more. Do a gentle exercise that's not hard on the joints, so that you don't cause any additional joint pain or damage. Reduce your protein intake. Cut out all that extra chicken, fish, and yogurt, and turkey, because that will build up uric acid, which could lead to gouty arthritis. Physical therapy treatments can help and heat and sometimes cold will stimulate changes in circulation to improve the condition. Now for those women who have female hormone imbalances, it's been shown that a high fat diet may cause uh, alterations in the production of female hormones. That may lead to an increased rate of osteoporosis which causes pain in the joints and in the bones and women sometimes mistake that for arthritis. So, the Delgado Medical Clinic is a place where we can retrain you to follow a plan to not only prevent many types of arthritic conditions, but in many cases reverse the condition and help you to live a life free of joint pain so that you can enjoy the good things in life. So that you can exercise, you can be with your family, you can enjoy all the finer things in life as you get older. I used to think that arthritis came from aging. As we got older, I thought that everyone developed arthritis. I've been proven wrong because cultures in the world that follow our low-fat, high-complex carbohydrate type of diet rarely ever develop arthritis as they get older. And that's good news. Because remember, in our culture in the United States, millions of Americans have arthritis. But it's probably all unnecessary. Why not try our plan? it'll work for you as it has worked for thousands of other people and if you know of someone with arthritis then make sure they learn about our plan let them make the decision now I often have believed that you can lead the horse to water he may drink water and he may not so you can't decide for other people they may decide to follow the plan or they may not but at least you've done your best to introduce them to the plan show them this videotape have them listen to the audio cassette Listen to the materials and study our other materials and I know you'll be convinced that this is the best plan to not only prevent diseases, increase energy, and achieve your ideal body weight, but to live a longer, healthier life. Thank you.
0: That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There's a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz and it's going to give you some incredible feedback, and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021, and we're here to support you.